Residential Lighting Specialist to Arthur Residential Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. On this week's podcast, Patrick Laidlaw joins us from Detroit, Michigan, where he is on the road evangelizing about the opportunities available in the lighting fixture business as he serves as Director of Business Development for Integration at Aspire, the integration-only brand of WAC Lighting. WAC produces technology-driven lighting products featuring state-of-the-art LED light engines through their own vertically integrated manufacturing facility. Being a true manufacturer, the Port Washington, New York-based company has the ability to do custom, design-built, and private label goods. Patrick and I met briefly about a week ago in Dallas at the inaugural Lightapalooza conference organized by the HTSA Buying Group. Patrick, on behalf of Aspire, led one of the several manufacturer training sessions, and I was impressed with how well he laid out the opportunities and challenges afforded custom integrators interested in adding lighting and lighting design and fixture sales to their offerings. While I don't expect Patrick to cover his full one-hour session here today, I do hope that we can hit on some of those highlights of this burgeoning new category for custom integrators. Patrick Laidlaw, it's great seeing you again. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and, and help get the message out. Well, you, you really did illustrate the opportunities very well in the session, and I immediately knew that I couldn't do it justice just myself, so having you on to talk about it would be great. And I really wanted to start off by um, just reviewing um, what you can about WAC and the creation of the integrator-specific Aspire brand, um, and maybe your personal history in lighting as well. So maybe you could just start off by um, talking about the, the briefly about the history of WAC. Sure. So WAC is still family-owned. Today it was founded in 1984. And uh, we were an importer for many years. In right around 2000, our owner said, I don't want to be at the uh, mercy of other manufacturers in regards to quality and supply chain. And so we purchased property, built our own facility from the ground up, which is uh, almost 800,000 square feet, and now control our own manufacturing. Everything that we're completely vertically integrated from the design all the way into making the machines and the molds that we pour the castings into, powder coating, Fully, full electrical and UL testing and, uh, and everything from, from the ground up. So we have uh, now six locations, uh, four in the U.S. and two overseas that we, well, uh, we well, manufacture and operate out of. I mean, you said the magic word supply chain right there. I got to say that that timing probably uh, worked out really well as far as having your own facilities um, with everything we're going through. Um, but can you go then into the more recent addition of the... Um, the, the new brand, the Aspire brand, which is an interesting spelling. I'd like you to explain that a little bit um, in the, the lowercase i's in the word. Um, sure. and, and that's only been since 2020. So dedicated to the integrator channel, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners that would resonate with them. Here's, some, here's a lighting fixture brand that really is focused on our channel. How, how did that all transpire? Absolutely. We started the integration ch channel uh, about 2019. Um, prior to that, we looked at probably like most suppliers do, looked at integrators as installers rather than what they really are, home technologists and, and connecting everything together in the home. And so um, when we started in, in this and talking with integrators and dealing with them, we realized that many times 
they're working really deeply with the client and trying to provide a better experience, a much better experience of, of living all the way around. So they invest a lot of time and a lot of effort in bringing to the client state-of-the-art goods as well as quality goods that give them a better uh, quality of life. And so what we realized was many times they'll start in this program, they'll start the work, but they may not always capture the sale depending on how, how the client works or other people on the job site. So we realized if we're going to get into this, we have to give them a brand that they can promote and they can work with that's exclusive to them and protects their work and the amount of time they put into not just the front end. It's not just about selling the product, but it's about all the programming and the maintenance um, throughout. And, and you heard me say in my uh, training, Jeremy, so there's this what I call one and done syndrome. And everyone in the building equation is a one and done except the integrator. The architect draws the plans, the builder builds the facility, the, the electrician wires it. Uh, everyone involved is, is one and done. They make the sale and off they go. And the integrator has an ongoing relationship with that client. And so that's why I think they're really a key piece of the puzzle going forward with, with everything being connected. Well, I mean, everything you ha I've heard over the early years of, of lighting, uh, the opportunities for lighting to the integration channel is just really kind of blocked from their access. And the fact that you've embraced the channel um, is, is such a refreshing um, situation from my perspective, having written and reported on this channel for so long. Um, now, you're, you're obviously tasked with spe specifically working with the channel, um, but your background is lighting through and through. You've been a lighting lifer, it looks like, according to um, your bio. Um, yes. How did you, um, just to kind of, before we go into the category more, get into lighting, uh, what, what, what's the kid, kid growing up uh, in Michigan, uh, how does that end up uh, your career path? Yeah, that's a great question. So believe it or not, my father was a, a lighting rep. Okay. And uh, he was a Cooper rep for many years. He worked at an actually electrical supply counter and got into repping. And so when I was very young, 12 years old, I was hanging light fixtures and lighting showrooms and doing inventories and supply houses. And uh, in my teen years, about 16, I, I can remember one particular job. I was standing on a ladder that as high as the ladder would go at the top of a pole with a round smoked globe in an apartment parking lot. And we were putting reflectors or what we call refractors on the light bulbs because they were shining in the apartment windows. So, you know, ever since I was, it was very young, child labor wasn't illegal back then. <laughs> I was, uh, I was brought into the business. And so I started uh, right around age 20. I worked for him. I went down to St. Louis. I partnered up with a guy and we did specification and, and distribution there for about five years. And then in 96, I moved back to Michigan and, and started my own agency. So 30 years, I was a rep. I was very fortunate because he was uh, he and the company he worked for, he worked for Cooper Halo. And then a couple of guys left Halo and started Juno Lighting back in 1976. And he was their first rep. And they were all about education, finding out what is needed in the field, what the installers like to see. And there were a lot of innovations with uh, Juno when it was a privately owned company. And so a lot of that we carry forward today, even with WAC being independently owned and trying to find out what's happening in the field. And and so about um, a little over five years ago, uh, WAC, who I'd worked with for a long time and, and known the uh, the principals there for a long time, recruited me to come over to this side. And I was excited to learn about the manufacturing side and also bridge the gap between the manufacturer and what really happens in the field. And there really is a, a quite a gap um, if, if the people at the manufacturing facility don't have any field experience. Fair, out of fairness, I also learned a tremendous amount about supply chain management, 
inventorying product in three plants across the U.S. How do you balance inventory? And and so it's been a great, great ride. But um, I kind of fell into the integration side. I was in charge of our distribution and specification channels. I've been in that all my life. And um, it's a traditional way of getting product to market. But going forward, controls are moving into the light fixtures and uh, everything being connected. It's really moving into the integration space. And so um, you have to shift, you know, the distribution specification channels are still part of our WAC brand and WAC company, but the Aspire product is all developed towards control. So we work heavily on compatibility with control systems, the major control companies out there, as well as DMX control to give the integrator the ability to create his scenes and his zones and then reprogram at any time. So it's been fun because I'm not a young guy anymore. You know, I'm, I'm 56 years old, but to, to learn new technologies and get into this, it's, it's really exciting. I feel like I'm uh, climbing another mountain, you know, uh, here of, of, of fun and exciting technology. Well, <clears throat> that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty biased because I've been working with this channel for my, most of my career. And I would say it's a, it's a pretty good group of people to work with. And they, once they, get their hands on a new technology, they really are dedicated and, and focused on learning what, what they need to learn there, um, generally speaking. So um, this is a great sort of starting point with with all of them. And some of them are a little further along than others. I, I've been impressed with HTSA, the buying group, ProSource, and ASEAN uh, Unlimited, all sort of doing their parts to connect custom integrators with the lighting manufacturers. And uh, I would say that... Uh, this this conference, this Light of Palooza conference, was just another great step forward and educating the channel. Uh, and you could see there are already people there that have been doing lighting for a while and and are not necessarily experts, but they're they're comfortable with the terminology and the products. And I did want to kind of walk through that though for those who may need a refresher or are pretty unfamiliar and are curious and want to explore lighting um, as custom integrators. Um, so. For those who may not be that familiar with it, um, why why do you think, just on a base level, and you explain this in your presentation, it's an opportunity that the custom integrator should take advantage of? I, I, I would say that the first point is that whole control aspect. You're controlling the lights, so you want them to work properly or else you get blamed for things that don't necessarily turn off and on the right way or dim right. properly, correct? Right, correct. There's a lot of finger pointing when it comes down to it. So we've learned a lot about LED the last five to 10 years and also how it integrates with um, with other electrical components in the house. And nobody knows about reflection and interference and insulated wires more than integrators. And so this is really right up their alley. Electricians go to to codes classes to learn how to wire things according to code, but they don't have anywhere to go to learn about lighting and what causes an LED to blink or flutter or shimmer or, or any of that. And, and integrators are already kind of in that space um, with shielded wire, et cetera. So, so I think integrators are really ripe for it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the integrator is the one who is called to task if something doesn't dim right or it blinks or flutters or strobes, as we call it in the industry. So they, they kind of get their finger pointed at them and they didn't necessarily supply any of the lights. So they're getting dragged into this, like it or not, you're going to be into controlling lighting. Um, you might as well provide it or work with the partners who are providing it to be able to provide product that you know is going to work. Otherwise, um, you're either eating some programming hours or you're fighting with other people over who's going to pay for those programming hours to make it work. Well, I want to get into more about the business, but first let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. 
Founded in 2005 by a team of highly skilled audio veterans, Wet Sounds is an award-winning, Texas-based marine audio company, bringing a level of performance, style, and durability unparalleled in the audio industry. Wet Sounds is proud to introduce you to the Venue Series 110-volt, 1200-watt, four-channel amplifier system. The VS1200 amplifier was specifically designed to power Venue Series products while utilizing a 110-volt power source. Included is the VSLSENC, a purpose-built landscape enclosure designed to house the Wet Sounds VS1200 amp with the plug-and-play media center in harsh outdoor environments. Learn more, visit wetsounds.com. Welcome back. We're talking with Patrick Laidlaw, Director of Business Development for Integration at Aspire, the integrator-only brand of WAC Lighting. Um, Patrick, how hard is it to get into this business when it comes to those other players, such as the electricians and the um, interior designers, maybe who are supplying the decorative uh, fixtures? Um, when it c comes to custom integrators, what kind of roadblocks or challenges do they face when those other folks are already involved in projects? Sure. That's a great question. And the number one fear I've learned from integrators is they don't want to step on toes. How do they get into this without stepping on toes? And I highly, highly recommend a proactive approach because typically when lighting is provided through any of the existing channels, whether it be a distributor, uh, interior designer, or the electrician, there's money being made somewhere. And if someone hears that you're going to try to provide the fixtures, you, you, they're going to just assume you're taking money away from them. You're taking away their income. And there's ways to make it uh, a piece of the pie for everyone and, and everybody wins. And so in most cases, the elect electrical contractor will make some money, uh, maybe 5 or 10% off of the lighting package for handling all the billing. And, and usually they'll deliver, get the fixtures delivered to the job. And so if you go to an electrical contractor and, and you say, uh, hey, I'd like to provide the fixtures on this job to be sure they work with the control system in, in a way that the client is expecting. Uh, but I understand that there's you figure that revenue into your bids. How about I replace that 10% with of, of the fixture package with a, the same 10%? I'm going to give you the wiring diagram so you can lay it all out very easily. But here's the caveat for you, Mr. Electrical Contractor, and for me as an integrator that we both win. Uh, number one, I give you the lighting diagram. You lay it out. It's very easy to install. Two, I'm going to make give you the same 10%, but instead of just a basic lighting layout, we're going to give the client something more, something that's worthy of their home, that's going to give them a better quality of life and a better experience. And so that lighting package is probably going to be significantly more than it is now. So that 10%, you're going to make more. And you also charge per opening to run the wires to each outlet. And there's going to be significantly more uh, outlets because instead of general lighting or retail lighting like you find in a store, we're going to do purposeful lighting for the way the client lives their life and where they spend their time in their rooms. And so um, what's in it for me, Mr. In electrical Contractor, to be fair and to let you know I'm not trying to sell you a, a car extended car warranty, <laughs> um, I get less headaches at the end because everyone's going to point at me, whether you provide the lighting or the homeowner purchases it on the internet or the lighting showroom provides something or the interior designer picks something out. I have to make all this work together. So if I provide it, you install it, we both make money, the client gets satisfied in, in a way that you know they're not going to if we don't work together, and everybody wins. Um, so yeah, the same I, with an interior designer. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, there, there are a couple of key phrases that you pointed out in your presentation that really stood out. One you just mentioned, which was the electricians getting paid per opening in the ceiling. And that was, that was kind of uh, eye-opening for me. 
um, and having that explained as you just did. And then when it com- comes to the interior designer, it's that billable hours key phrase. And so I Correct. guess that I, I'll, I'll, I'll cue you to continue the conversation with yes, the interior please. designer. Part. I, I would love to. So I've worked with interior designers uh, m- over many, many years. Many of them don't have formal lighting tr- training pro- uh, programs or have had no formal lighting training. So in interior design programs now, they are getting better. and They're starting to incorporate lighting training. But if someone's been around for a little while in the business, they didn't really have formal lighting training. And so they're really great at picking out the aesthetics and the beautiful product and lighting fixtures are jewelry for the home, but they haven't had the knowledge on the technical side of the things to understand control, to understand LED technology, um, to understand recessed and, and, and purposeful lighting. And so with an interior designer, they visit with the client a lot. And I think they get underrated sometimes because they spend hours and hours and hours scouring for the certain fixture, the right finish, how everything ties together. But if they hand the client a bill at the end of the project, and let's say that maybe they put 300 hours in and they only bill for two, most clients are going to say, oh my gosh, what did you do for 200 hours? They can't fathom the amount of time put in. So the interior designers are looking to make money on either the fixtures, the decorative fixtures they sell, or um, wallpaper or anything else to help subsidize what they do. Um, No different than an integrator with programmable hours. And so when you understand and you speak to an interior designer and say, uh, I'm not looking to get in on the pretty stuff. I don't have hours and hours to spend scouring uh, catalogs and manufacturers to find the right thing. That's what you do. Why don't you let me control the technical? You pick out the, the beautiful and we'll work together to be sure everything controls the right way. And, and again, the client wins in the end. And typically they're very, very receptive to that type of a conversation if had in advance. You know, what I caution is when that when that, when they hear you might be trying to provide the lighting, everyone is threatened immediately because you might be trying to take part of their livelihood. So the first question always, and if you don't take anything else away from this podcast, I would I would encourage you to take this away. The first question should always be to the client or the builder or whomever you're working with as an integrator. Can I ask who is providing the lighting and find out who is providing lighting, go have that conversation and away you'll go and they'll bring you in on job after job after job once you've gotten established. The other question I really like too is what, which once you get over that and maybe you're part of that conversation is which lighting experiences are you thinking about for each room? Absolutely. Um, I thought that was just an amazingly simple question that probably folks don't necessarily think to ask right out of the gate when they're doing this for the first time. And it just really opens up a whole other conversation about the types of fixtures, the types of lighting, quality of lighting, warm dim, and that sort of thing. Um, I do want to get into that, but I was also that one of the questions that early on in this kind of transition for custom integrators that has come up and uh, it's been addressed really well by some of the buying groups is the idea of uh, lighting designer training and some folks who find a lighting designer. I know that lighting designers aren't used a lot in homes, but for those who really would like to take that to the next level and really add value, what, um, how, how valuable do you think being, being a lighting certified lighting designer as an integrator would be, or having at least a partnership with one would be? Sure. Definitely. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge because right now an integrator can start in landscape lighting, slow voltage, easy to move around or linear tape lighting. It's easy to move around. But when you start getting into drywalling or sheetrocking things into the ceiling, you want to be sure they're in the right place. And also we're talking about selling better products that provide an experience in each room 
um, for the client. And we need to be sure that they do deliver on that. And a lot of that is placement, using the correct product with the correct output. Um, there's all different apertures now with LEDs. We no longer have to use six-inch cans anymore. We can go to small aperture, which is much more aesthetically pleasing, smaller holes in the ceiling. But again, placement uh, is everything and also delivering on the experience. So I do believe that integrators down the road are going to be doing their own design. Um, so, some integrators have hired lighting people, whether that came from a lighting showroom or a lighting design firm. Others will hire a lighting design firm to be sure that, you know, especially in the early uh, stages of their lighting experience and selling lighting, they want to be sure it gets in the right spot. So they'll work with the lighting designer. But I think initially it's very, very important until you get comfortable and have seen all the different techniques and feel comfortable talking about it and the placement of the fixtures that you do work with someone, especially with integrators, base clients being medium to high end homes. When you're talking about a 22 foot ceiling, you cannot use the same product on an eight to 10 foot ceiling that you would use on a 20 foot ceiling because in a 20 foot ceiling, you're not going to get any light in the room. It's going to feel a little bit foggy or cloudy and it's just going to be off. So using the proper product, learning lumens, learning color temperature, those are really, really important. And then that all ties in obviously with the control. Yeah. And, and speaking of color temperature, you, you, you talk about Specific to your lighting lines, um, but then just generally the categories, you've got warm dim or dim to warm, tunable white light, RGB full visible spectrum and static CCT, which I had to look up correlated color temperature. Yes, yes. Um, That's the color of white. Yeah. Is it a yellow kind of warm white or a cooler kind of whiter white? Yep. Okay, so so the um, I'm pre- pretty familiar with these categories, but maybe walk us through the different styles of light lighting that that cu- the custom integrators need to be familiar with, and maybe start sure. with static CCT um, and and where you would use that. It seems is that the one you call retail lighting, as far as yes, like so that's the one I refer to as retail. Yes. <laughs> okay. So so to reiterate what you had, had touched on, Jeremy, and it's so important is when you talk to the client and you say, what experiences are you thinking about for the different rooms in your home? No one else is asking that question. Lighting showrooms focus on hitting the right budget. Electricians are focused on typically, these are generalities, but typically, you know, I'll be sure you have enough light, but no one's talking about purposeful light. And so when you say, what experiences are you thinking about? They say LED. But no, no, I mean, what experiences for each room? They say, well, recessed, you know, well, let me, let me explain. Do you know, Mr. Homeowner or Mrs. Homeowner, that LED in its normal state, if you just go buy an LED product, it does not change color when it dims, it stays white. So you don't want to try to unwind in a a nice bubble bath at the end of a long day with a glass of wine in retail light, Um, in static white light that just stays white. It just gets less intense. A lot of fine high-end restaurants learned this the hard way. Resorts learned this the hard way. When LED first came out, they changed all their bulbs and couldn't get the ambiance in a high-end restaurant that you get with incandescent when it warms. So the, the static white or static CCT, we call it, that's a base-level LED product. There, it's not a bad product because it's great for closets, storage areas. It's it's a budget-conscious product or budget-friendly. Um, so there's lots of places we do want retail light in our home like in our closet when we want to see a black blazer or a blue blazer or black shoes or blue shoes, but certainly not in the bathroom or in the master bedroom when we're trying to create some mood or some ambiance, unwind at the end of a long day. So that's where we would step up into the dim to warm. And again, like you had mentioned, Jeremy, these these are kind of 
uh, universal experiences. Lots of manufacturers have these types of lighting. So, um, you know, when you talk about dim to warm, now you're talking about acting like an incandescent bulb and it lowers light output as well as warm. So that's where you want to evoke emotion and mood, you know, maybe the theater to, to dim warm things down when you're watching a movie, the dining room for, a, a, you know, a romantic dinner on occasion or turn it all the way up for doing paperwork. Again, the bedrooms and bathrooms are excellent to unwind at the end of a long day or, or start to wind up slowly instead of just bang, you're, you know, you're in Old Navy or Costco with this retail, <laughs> you know, white retail light. Uh, and then when you get into tunable, there's some wonderful uh, advantages to tunable because it can allow your your prized possessions, your art collections, and 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 maybe your maybe your daughter did the art. We worked on a home where their daughter did a lot of artwork, and we used tunable white there to really make the artwork pop because you can change the color temperature to bring out the colors you want in the artwork. Uh, as well as you can also tune the tunable white to match the outdoors. If you're doing entertaining right. in the afternoon, you have a view. And then the color has its own purpose. You know, the color is going to go in rooms where you have a home theater, uh, if you want a little red or blue, but maybe the game room, the bar area, a little um, dusty rose in a yoga room or electric blue in, a, in an exercise room when you really want to get pumped up and you got to work out at five in the morning. You don't want warmed in there. You want you want white light and you want to really get your body charged up. So out of the four lighting experiences, as you said, static, dim to warm, tunable, and color, they all have a purpose in a home. And, and so they should be used in the correct rooms throughout the home. And again, most um, currently, the current suppliers delivering lighting to the, to the client today aren't talking about that. They're talking about how do we hit a budget and we they're laying it out kind of in a uniform way instead of using techniques that can really you know, really enhance the experience of the homeowner. For sure. Now, some of what I remember being talked about kind of get it, got a little bit beyond my uh, pay grade, but like you started talking about power supplies and things like that. Um, what, um, wh and, and controls in the fixtures, like you mentioned earlier, what are the important areas to know kind of getting into lighting um, for the first time for custom integrators in, in that regard, beyond the fixtures, styles, and the the style of lighting, uh, what are the other things, the other ingredients that maybe they should know about? Sure. So integrators are already familiar with dimming modules. So there's like a forward phase and a reverse phase, depending on the type of light source you're using. But what's happening in the industry and the big shift and the reason control companies are really starting to get into lighting too, is that all these dimming modules are going to go away. They're, we can do it with putting the control into the fixture and you're actually assigning every light in the home a number. So imagine that you have one through 150 and it's all controlled through this, what they call a gateway, a DMX gateway. And instead of maybe a hundred dimmers in a big home, you might have 20, not even 20, probably 10 gateways that control all the fixtures. And what it allows you to do is it allows you to reconfigure everything anytime you want. So for example, right now, if you have six fixtures in your kitchen, that is tied electrically to one dimmer. If later you want to rearrange how you control those fixtures, you can't because they're all connected through one line to one dimming module. When we put connection through DMX or communication through DMX to those fixtures, now you have number one through six. And you can push a button and have one, three, and six come on. You can have two and four come on. And you can reconfigure that anytime you want. So what it allows for is clients and homeowners to re reposition their furniture, uh, redesign how they live. Maybe even a future homeowner, you can go in and reposition and re redesign. I shouldn't say reposition, but redesign the lighting and the groups in that home anytime you want. So 
you know, uh, one of our, just to give you an example to uh, a client of ours, an integrator out of Indiana just did a study and he said, if he removed all the dimming modules out of a home and put in DM, DMX gateways, it would save about $12,000 on the dimming package. Wow. Now, some of that money is going to be spent on better lights because you're going to be able, you're going to have to go to the lights with the, the DMX control already built in. But you're talking about a shift of the dollars from the dimming control panel over to the lighting. So again, we know more about lighting and how it affects the human body we've ever known in the history of mankind. So we're going to deliver ultimately a better product for the consumer in the way they experience life and the way light affects them. Um, But we're just shifting those dollars. So integrators, I think, need to be aware of that, that these walls of panelized dimming modules are going to go away and go to a smaller, more concise package, and it's going to give them more flexibility. So they, they really need to think about it and start moving in that direction now. Yeah. So how much, so DMX, did DMX start as a theatrical lighting control system? 100%. Or? Yes. Yeah. It's been used for years. So the protocol has been around for years. You go to a concert and these lights are spinning around and these lights are flashing and these lights are red. It's all done through DMX addressing. And uh, in Europe, they use a similar protocol called Dolly. It's a little bit different, but those are two very common protocols where you're addressing the fixtures and then through your, your laptop, when you control the, you know, program the system, you just tell which lights to come on at which time. And, and they can even all come on if you want a panic button up uh, in the master bedroom next to the bed. You can have them all come on uh, very easily. So it gives you ultimate control. So as, um, let's see, a veteran company that has been doing Lutron is, is a company and maybe it's not, com- not easy to comment on a specific manufacturer, but sure. it, is it one of those things where they their manufacturers are going to evolve and that this this protocol is going to be part of what they provide or is it something that they need to go out and how or they need to take dmx training or how does one even do such a thing is it that hard can you learn it sort of on your own um yeah that's a great question so it's not that difficult but there are some basic rules that apply so yes you definitely have to learn it it's not something you just jump into uh, there's a particular wiring protocol that the wire you know just as a brief example the wire goes in a circle you can't just branch wire out because you start getting reflected reflection and signals get mixed up so it does have to wire in a certain way 32 fixtures per gateway is the maximum there are distance requirements so you can go a thousand feet um, the fixtures can be up to 300 feet apart. So there are some basic rules that that are needed. And the programming, once you've done it, is, is actually relatively easy. Um, so yeah, Lutron is moving into that. Control 4 is moving into that. We're doing some DMX training. Um, other manufacturers are also trying to do some DMX training to, to help the integrator along, um, get you know, understand it and get into it. Great. So as, a, as kind of a wrap up, um, you, you did talk about a little bit about landscape lighting earlier and, and strip lighting and how those are just kind of like low hanging fruit, easy transitional uh, areas yeah. in lighting because you don't have to deal with the drywall and, and, and tearing up walls to get there or finishing walls a certain way. So um, what what do you see as the opportunity there for, for landscape lighting? What, what are some things that are kind of good to know about getting into it? It's not just jump right in and not know any design um, techniques, you've got to have some kind of a plan. So what, what, what's sure. good to know about that one? 
So landscape lighting is really incredibly easy. And the reason I look at that as a default for integrators to learn lighting is most of the time you're on this job doing your final programming. And it's a simple conversation with the homeowner because the electrical contractor's gone. If you're worried about stepping on toes, the builder's got his money or the majority of it wrapped up if you're worried about him. And so you could talk about the beauty, the safety, all the wonderful things, the value to the home that, that landscape lighting brings, but it's low voltage. So most integrators or a lot of integrators already do outdoor audio. They're used to putting uh, wires under the deck, slitting the sod or under the bark chips. It's exactly the same principle. Hang a transformer on a house, plug it into an outlet, you run your low voltage cable, and then the fixtures just hardwire right in. Uh, the reason I think it's incredibly easy is, you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to sound like an infomercial here because that's not our purpose, but we make product that is beam adjustable and intensity adjustable right on the product. So you literally can't do it wrong. And why I like it is it gives the integrators the opportunity to learn beam spreads and learn lumen outputs based on practicing in the field on a, in an outside situation where they just lift up the stake, move it over six feet and stick it back down on the ground. So there's lots of tools out there where you can learn landscape lighting in the inside of the house. We overlight everything because as we age, we, our lens is thickening and yellow. We need more light. On the outside of the house, it's all about beauty and painting with light. We don't need a lot of light to enjoy it and feel safe. And so there are lots of techniques you can get online and learn from all different places. Just Google, uh, how do I design landscape lighting? What do I think about when I design landscape lighting? And there's lots of tools. We have some tools we can send out as well if anybody's interested. Well, I don't even do this work and I'm already excited about getting into landscape lighting after what you yeah. just said. It sounds like a great way to start kind of uh, practicing and getting used to everything and learning techniques. So um, gr great advice there for sure. sure. Um, before we wrap up, I, I, I usually don't do this, like turn back to a general question, but is there anything we haven't covered that you think is good to know about uh, for the category as folks are just getting started or do we kind of cover it all? I, well, we covered a lot. There's there's always plenty more, but I really believe this is my going to be my personal soapbox now here, Jeremy, so thank you for the opportunity. I truly believe, I've been in lighting for 35, over 35 years now, I really believe that integrators are going to be a huge piece of the puzzle. They're going to be the right-hand person. Electrical Contractor Magazine introduced an article two years ago to electrical contractors that said, what are you going to do? Home, homeowners and project managers don't want to deal with a whole bunch of people on a job, like an electrical contractor contractor and a low voltage guy and a security person and an interior designer. And I think that integrators are poised to step into the equation and say, we're connecting everything, even appliances, even outdoor pellet grills or Wi-Fi. We can you know, do all of this and, and give you a quality of life that no one else can. So I think integrators really need to step up. And uh, one last thing I would definitely encourage integrators to do is we need to do more education. And I sound like I'm being preachy here because I'm the newest, probably the newest guy in integration. I've only been in about three and a half years now, but everyone that I run into says, what do you do? And I tell them, and they say, well, what is an integrator? And I think that we have to develop the term, whether it's home technologist or integrator or connected home. I think that integrators may want to consider adding something to their name or getting away from the name of audio video and being the theater guy. And we need to really pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and step into the arena and say, we are the total connected home and we deserve a seat at the table and, and certainly much earlier than we have in the past. So that's where I see the future. And that's why I'm excited to be here. Anybody I can help kind of move into that arena and help grow their business, we're, we're happy to do so. Well, that's excellent advice. And I agree with you completely. Uh, nomenclature for this industry has always been a challenge. And and those who are getting ahead of it uh, by by changing their company 
branding uh, are, are a step ahead for sure. So g- great, great suggestion there, Patrick. And thanks so much for taking the time out today. As usual, like uh, it's been a great uh, education and hopefully everyone is listening and paying attention and getting diving in um, w- to this category with with some intelligence as well as um, care uh, and, and does it the right way like you're describing. So thanks for taking the time out today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate it. And if I can be of any further assistance, I'm here if you ever need me. Thank you. Great. Patrick Laidlaw is the Director of Business Development for Integration for Aspire uh, at WAC Lighting. You can learn more about the brand at aspire.com, which is A-I-S-P-I-R-E.com. And that wraps up today's show. If you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to the weekly podcast on your preferred platform and consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at the magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the bi-monthly print or digital magazine and to our Tuesday and Friday email newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell. Residential Tech Talks, 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 Residential Tech Talks,